When I first launched the company, and I can probably get in trouble for, for saying this, but it's in the past, I literally would drive around with my heat off all winter with product in my car. Because I couldn't afford cold storage and I didn't know what to do at the time, so I just used what I had. Even some things that I, I post, I second guess, and I'm like, this is really embarrassing. I don't want people to know this, but looking at the bigger picture, if it can help someone, then I'm, I'm fine with doing that. But you have to put yourself out there and you have to be curious and not have an ego and ask questions. Just not being afraid to like ask for help when you need it, that is really key. People are there to help you and you need people to help you grow a business. My company's mission is to create a world where you can eat an entire jar of cookie dough and still feel good about yourself. Welcome to the Generation Hustle Podcast, a show that explores the world of business, entrepreneurship, and culture, all centered around the millennial. I'm your co-host, Sherison, alongside my good friend, Amin, and this week, we're talking to a local entrepreneur who's been making waves. Everybody loves cookie dough, right? I mean, if you don't, then you're just lying. But we've always been warned about the threat of salmonella and anything else that can happen if we eat this raw. Between you and me, I always took that chance, but now that problem's been solved. Episode 44 is with Erica Rankin founder and CEO of Brodo. Brodo is Canada's first 100% plant-based, protein-infused edible cookie dough. Launched in late 2019, Erica is the epitome of an entrepreneur, working out of a kitchen rented by the hour, storing inventory in her living room, and even packing orders at her dining room table as they come in. So we sit down to chat with Erica about her story launching the brand, how she uses LinkedIn and TikTok to blow up her online presence practically for free, and the ins and outs of running a business. So without further ado, Erica Rankin. Awesome. So, uh, so you're the founder of Brodo. Um, I, I would say personally, one of the coolest brands on LinkedIn, if not in the market right now. So could you kind of talk to us about, you know, the product and how you came up with the idea? Yeah, so Brodo is Canada's first and only 100% plant-based, protein-infused, better-for-you edible cookie dough. Um, contains quality plant-based ingredients, an average of 5 grams of plant-based protein per serving, and less sugar than traditional cookie dough. And uh, yeah, the business launched in December of 2019. I came up with the idea in, I believe, August of 2019. And I, again, like cookie dough is such a nostalgic treat for me. Like it's something that I grew up loving. Like my, my mom would make cookies. I mean, my sister would fight over like who would lick the bowl. Like my, my uh, neighbor's mom was a baker and we would always like go over and eat cookie dough until we felt sick, like yeah. have a big tummy ache and sugar crash after. So I guess like, I just wanted to recreate that nostalgic treat, like bring back that like childhood feeling like eating something but also making it healthier so you don't have those yucky feelings after mm -hmm. eating it and my company's mission is to create a world where you can eat an entire jar of cookie dough and still feel good about yourself right i, I should definitely that. tell that to my sister you know so she she always buys like uh i won't name the brand just for the purpose of the show but uh, <laughs> we all know the store made cookies that you can buy in uh the, the store in the tube. yeah, yeah in the tube <laughs> Um, and so she would literally just eat that. And then she looks at the calories and she's like, I don't know if I did well here. Right. And then she does I obviously feel sick because who knows what all the preservatives and stuff in, yeah. that's in there. So, uh, I should definitely put her on to, uh, Brodo so she can, act. she, she's huge in working out. So I think that would fit her 
macros, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're macro friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, you know, just kind of walking through, uh, we, we've talked to a bunch of, you know, food entrepreneurs and who are in their space, but can you kind of walk us through at a, obviously you're a smaller company in terms of the stage that you're in, uh, what your current production cycle looks like and, you know, some of the challenges that have come along the way when it comes to, you know, selling a food product, because it's a whole new world when people actually come to know about how hard it is to sell a food product. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I had a lot of struggles. Um, If I could go back in time and change anything, it would be to pick a shelf stable product Mm -hmm. Uh, because having a product that's perishable and has to be in cold storage, like at all times, it's really expensive, especially as you scale and you run into a lot of issues that like a shelf stable product would never have um so i guess just like like honestly like when i first launched the company and i can probably get in trouble for for saying this but it's in the past like i i stored the product in my car because i couldn't afford cold storage Mm -hmm. so like i've mentioned this before like on my linkedin but i literally would drive around with my heat off all winter with product because i couldn't afford cold storage and i didn't know what to do at the time so i just used what i had Um, and then eventually like when I had some more money, I bought some freezers and now I have freezers in my living room and that's where I store the product. And I think too, like some of the things that I dealt with last summer was shipping delays with COVID and also my product Mm. is shipped frozen. So I had product spoiling and I guess just having those things happen, you have to like, you, you have to learn from those experiences. Like, yeah, it sucked at the time, but, um, I think just, yeah, learning and adapting and readjusting the plan based on things that happen. So Definitely shipping a perishable product was um, a struggle for sure. And again, like I make the product myself. I rent a commercial kitchen by the hour. I make them in 25 pound batches at a time. So it's super, super small. And I have a friend now. He like, drag him into the kitchen with me and I pay him by the hour. And he just screws on like hundreds of lids at a time and like crushes cookies and does things like that for me. And he like the first day uh, after I brought him to the kitchen, he showed me his hand and he's like, my hand is bleeding. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, yeah, because we we did like six, 500 or 600 jars. And uh, yeah, so I go in for six or seven hours now at a time, like once a week and just do as many as I can. But that's obviously not scalable. So that's just how things are right now. No, it's I mean, just like signs of a true entrepreneur, you're just trying to be as resourceful as you can, uh, given the time. Uh, how, how do you kind of handle like, say, uh, some larger orders that may come in from like, I don't know, like a corporate company that say are 100 jars at a time? Uh, how, how do you handle that given the size of your team? You're a one man show. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I try not to bite off more than I can chew. Like I had to turn away stores actually, like, especially these past few months, like I've had a lot of luck with social media and like viral videos and stuff. And I've had a lot of people approach me who own stores all over Canada. And I'm just not able to like hit that volume yet with the way that I'm currently operating. Um, so I've had to turn away some some opportunities, which kind of sucks. But like with my current stores, usually they let me know like a week or two in advance. And then I kind of plan it and I go in and I make their order custom. And then I kind of like time block, like I take off like the Monday or something from work. And I work on the weekend just to like bubble wrap and package and everything and then bring it to FedEx. Because again, like I still do everything from my condo living room. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And when it comes to like choosing a flavor per se, are you kind of taking back like customer feedback or are are you also kind of mixing in like say market analysis of like these are the most popular flavors 
that you know someone would want in cookie dough per se I think I do a little bit of both. Like I try to be um, as interactive with my customers as I can. Like on my Instagram, I always do polls and like um, have like a question box where they can put in like what flavor they want. And then I end up doing usually one that someone recommends. And then when I launch it, they're like, no way you actually listened to me. Like they yeah. the coolest thing ever. So yeah, I do definitely take into consideration like what my customers want. No, that's awesome. And is there, are there, uh, what's like the weirdest flavor suggestion that you've probably gotten? Cause, uh, um, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had like on LinkedIn, someone commented and they said something like Baba Ganoush or a hummus one. And I was like, what? Mm. what? I was like, maybe not. And he's like, you never know, like a savory version. I think he was serious. And I, and then someone, yeah, I, I, I was like, mm, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've had people, yeah, I've had people ask for like, fruity ones like putting fruit and stuff in them okay. and i'm not sure like that like those ones probably wouldn't sell as well mm. um same with like mint chip like i might try that but a lot of people love it or hate it like some people yeah. think it's like toothpaste so <laughs> yeah. yeah i, I mean I personally it. like yeah see like i don't know why it is like sherston always it's like the opposite of me so yeah. like i i prefer i like it so yeah me too yeah <laughs> no yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm eating something sweet like i want to i want to feel the diabetes i don't want to feel like i'm cleaning my yeah. teeth you know like... i guess that's fair yeah <laughs> yeah it's all it's all in the preference and then so is there is there are, are there like times where you kind of um you know make hard decisions where it's just like hey like i cannot go forward with like say a decision on a flavor but you're kind of um on the fence of it of like, Hey, this might sell, but you don't have to say the capacity, uh, maybe the capital or something around that line. And how do you make that decision of yet? Yes, go for it. Um, and no, like we can't do it right now. I think it comes down to time. Like I, it's not necessarily right now at the stage I'm at, like it, once I scale and I have a co-manufacturer, like I'm going to have to be very selective with the mm-hmm. flavors that I do just because the production run is going to cost me like thousands of dollars versus hundreds of dollars. So the moves yeah. that I make right now, they're not very expensive. So I can do those things and add in new flavors and it's not really a big deal. Um, but as I grow, like it's definitely going to be something that a lot of people are going to love. Like I'm not going to do a production run for a flavor that not everyone's going to like, and it's not going to sell because then it'll just be sitting and it won't be selling. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's awesome. And what would be like your one piece of advice for an individual getting into the food space potentially, um, from your kind of learnings throughout, you know, like a year and a half, uh, that you've been running bro dough? Uh, be prepared for how expensive it is. I think like, that's one thing that I am just like floored by of how expensive it is. Um, yeah, I think knowing how much money it costs and also like networking, networking is really important. Um, just surround yourself with other CPG founders and like, yeah, like join communities like Slack communities. I think being around people that are in the same space as you is really important because you're going to have questions. <laughs> yeah. And has there been anyone uh, who who's influenced you like very positively within the CPG space? Um, I know you've probably met a lot of people through LinkedIn uh, and whatnot, uh, but has there been, say, one founder that has said, giving you a piece of advice that has helped you like get to the next level? Yeah, there's been a couple who have been really, I guess they've been 
kind of inspiring to me. Like Mike Fada, he's the founder of Manitoba Harvest. He's been so awesome. Um, Susie York, she has Love Good Fats, like the bar company, and she's based out of Toronto. Like she was probably the first person who took a, a phone call with me and she was on the way to another meeting. And that was like when I first started getting on LinkedIn and started messaging mm-hmm. founders and was really scared and intimidated. Um, yeah, but just like people like that who are, they give back so much. They're so busy and they have so much going on, but they're willing to mentor and guide um, other founders who are kind of in the early stages. Yeah. And I think that's so important mentorship for especially young entrepreneurs who are just getting into the space. Like I'm, I'm assuming you never were in the food space before this. You're kind of practically learned this from like the bottom up, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like it's, it was kind of a hobby for me for sure. Um, but yeah, this is honestly, there's a, there's a learning curve and I think I know a lot of things and then I have another conversation and it's like, Oh dang, like I don't know everything. It's like you're constantly learning and evolving. No, that that's so true. So I think mentorship for anyone is going to be a huge aspect for anyone who scales their business. Um, and then, you know, just to piece this off with Brodo, um, what are the future goals for the company? Yeah, so I want to grow it and scale it and eventually make an exit um, down the road, maybe in five or six or seven years. And then I love CPG. I will always be in CPG. Um, but with Brodo, like, grow it. Um, like we're planning on launching into retail stores across the country in August or September, depending on how things go and who knows with COVID these days, but um, that's kind of the game plan. Um, and I'm going to start selling into the U S market as well later this year, um, just through my e-commerce and, uh, yeah, then eventually scale into the U S market because there's lots of opportunity over there and, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe make a product line, make a couple other products and then, uh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. No. That's awesome. Right now, what does like a typical day look like for you? Yeah, uh, it's kind of all over the place because I have to switch hats constantly. Um, yeah, um, lately it's been a lot of picking and packing orders. Um, like I think Monday and Tuesday, I woke up at six in the morning and was just picking and packing orders for like four or five hours. Um, it, it's really inconsistent because I usually post a TikTok at night and if it performs really well and I wake up in the morning, I'm like, shit, I got all these orders. I got to pack. <laughs> yeah. so I like set my alarm and I look and I'm like, did it go viral or not? And then based off of that, that I like, that's how I set up my day and structure my days. Um, and then if that happens and I'm out of inventory and then I message my friend, I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? Let's go to the kitchen. So then I go to the kitchen. Um, so I guess just keeping on top of inventory. Um, also, marketing like I do all my own marketing um so I try to time block and have like content days like yesterday I took a few hours to just make like a bunch of TikToks a bunch of Instagram posts queue all those up um yeah it's it's kind of crazy and then I'm also trying to figure out how to scale the company um and execute it as best as I can surround myself with the right people figure out packaging we're getting a new website made new uh labels made all these things are going on and it's yeah. exciting, but it's a lot for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That sounds like a lot. And I was going to ask, like, so are you like your videos, all of the content stuff, you're cutting that up and making that yourself as well? Yeah, that's right. How are you like, are you sleeping at all? <laughs> and I <laughs> ask that because like, even for us, right, like cutting up the content for us, like for the podcast itself and still working, it's like, you go through days sometimes and just like, I don't, I, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? But like, it, it's so rewarding. So I just wanted to know, like, how are you managing that time? How are you kind of making time for, you know? your mental health and just peace, you know, give yourself a break. Yeah. 
I'm like, yeah, man, I'm like the worst person to ask because I, I cannot find balance. I'm awful. Honestly, I had therapy this morning. Like she kind of helps me like every other week. Yeah. Um, she like adds things in a place. She's like, hey, let's do boundaries and let's do this and this. And remember, self-care is important. And mm-hmm. I think I let that slide a lot, especially lately. And like I used to like work out every morning and go to the gym. But now because of Ontario's lockdown again, I can't do that. So yeah. I guess everything's changing and it's hard to like have a set structured schedule but I do try to like take breaks I try to unplug one day a week at least like on either Saturday or Sunday because I think that is so important um because yeah sometimes I think as a founder you're excited and it's like you're fired up and you feel invincible and you just like go hard at it for like days on end and then you hit the wall and then it's like you need two days or three days to recover and then it's just not good for anyone right um so yeah it's definitely got to take care of yourself. Yeah, for sure. And Amin and I were talking about this literally the other day. Like, when we get busy at work, there are weekends where we just go through the whole weekend and we haven't done anything. And it's just like our body just shutting down, you know? Um, So it's just, yeah, it's important to have those days to yourself. But I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm glad you, you, like, you even mentioned that, like, you know, you're you're seeing a therapist and things like that. A lot of founders that we've talked to, especially during now, I guess, with COVID and everything, are very open about, you know, counseling, therapy sessions and coaching um, for, for their, like, while they're running their business just because there's so much going on. Like, how much has that helped you? I think a lot. Like, I started doing it a few months ago. And, um, yeah, with COVID. And it's super lonely, too. Like, I live alone. Like, I have a cat. I don't don't live with anyone. My family is, like, hours away. Like, I have some friends here. But, like, they're not entrepreneurs. So it's kind of a little different. Um, So it's super isolating. And I guess just trying to figure out how to structure my days better and take care of myself. And, um yeah, like, I think everyone should do therapy. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It needs to be normalized for sure. All that topic of just like being a founder and, you know, running your own business. What would be like the biggest lesson you've learned, I guess, in this journey? That's what a lot of our listeners ask for in terms of founders who are kind of just starting up. It's like, what is something that you just did not expect at all? And you just kind of had to learn on the fly? Yeah, um, I would say I've said this before. But I think just like putting myself out there, like you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't be quiet and be well, you can be introverted, but you have to like put yourself out there and you have to be curious and not have an ego and ask questions. And I think that's like the one mistake I made early on. Like, I think like eight months into having my business, I like didn't use LinkedIn, I didn't network, I didn't surround myself with people. And it got to the point where I was working in the business instead of on the business. And I was like, how do I grow this? I don't know what I'm doing. Like I took it this far and like my wheels were spinning and I wasn't getting anywhere. Um, so I think just not being afraid to like ask for help when you need it, that is really key because people are there to help you and you need people to help you grow a business, especially if you've never launched your own business before. Like, yes, you need help. (laughs) All the founders that we've talked to as well at the early stage, they're like, we had no clue of like what we're doing. Um, and so it was just like literally putting pieces together and trying to figure it's like a puzzle at the end of the day, right? Entrepreneurship, I would say, yeah. with a lot more problems than solutions usually. Um, so I feel like, you know, uh, with your, you know, coupling up, um, you know, your therapy and also kind of opening yourself up to like social media and stuff. And that really brings us to a strong segue here of, you know, LinkedIn. Um, and I think a lot of individuals have noticed your profile and the business um, on LinkedIn. So, you know, before we kind of get into like the strategy and how you kind of worked in LinkedIn into your whole branding, 
how do you define the, your brand at Brodo? I know you mentioned it earlier, but like in terms of the brand, uh, how do you define that? The brand is fun. And I think like I kind of tie it into my personal brand as well because I'm the face of the company. And my goal has always been to be transparent and real with people, like whether it be with what's in the product, like the quality. I'm like, I'm not greenwashing and mislabeling things. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm honest about what's in the product, the quality of the product. And then also with just like the journey as well, right? Like, I think like Midday Squares, if you've heard of them, like they're crushing it. And I really kind of follow in their footsteps in terms of like, showing all of it like all of the behind the scenes the hardships like the highs the lows everything because I think that's like a lot of companies don't do that and I think it's they're missing out on a lot of opportunity because people buy from people Mm -hmm. and kind of by showing people like who I am and who's behind the company um they connect like on a different level yeah and we we actually had Nick uh on the show like maybe I don't know what episode it was, Sheriff, so in like 37 or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, he, and he said the exact same thing. He's like, one of the things that they noticed is like being transparent and honest um, really helped build a connection and relatability with a lot of their yeah. users. And I think um, you building on that same aspect, especially with LinkedIn being so organic, like how, how did you start go and, and go through like experimenting on LinkedIn and like what kind of strategy did you find best that works there? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, It's funny, though. Like when I first got on there, I didn't know if there was like LinkedIn etiquette and if like there were things that you could post and couldn't post. And actually, I've gotten a few comments that were like on my TikToks and they're like, uh, uh, wrong platform, miss. And I'm like, oh, there's one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. because that's what I was really worried about. Um, But I think times are changing and it's becoming more of a place to like not only build, I guess, professional like connections and be professional, but kind of socialize and show other parts of your life as well. Cause at the end of the day, we're all people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think like for me, like the why I post the things I post is like I went on there and I was kind of looking for inspiration when I was struggling. Like I was going through days and I was playing victim and thought like, oh, these things are happening to me. They're happening to no one else. And then um, like I started having conversations with other founders and they're like, no, like I went through this last week. And I'm like, why don't you guys talk about it? Like, why does no Mm -hmm. one post about things? So that's why like I started posting the lows just to kind of show people like, yeah, they happen and they suck, but you just have to go through them. And when I started posting those things and like me crying and different things like that, people really liked that content. So I kind of just took that feedback and then um, just kind of duplicated and made other content based on that. What would you say to like individuals trying whether it's just like your personal brand or even like a company, uh, what would you say to go on LinkedIn and like, again, your whole idea was to be transparent. Would you say that's like something that really is catered for LinkedIn in terms of driving content and value for users? 100%. Um, I think because it's not very common either, like just being authentic, being you, um, people like that, it resonates with people. And I never realized how big of an impact I had um, until Mm -hmm. probably a few months ago. And I started getting messages from different people from all over the world. And they're like, thank you so much for posting. And I'm like, really? Like, wow. Like, I never thought in my wildest dreams, like I would be inspiring or motivating someone from across the country or across the world. Right. Um, So I think like understanding, like, even some things that I I post, I second guess. And I'm like, this is really embarrassing. Or I don't want people to know this. But 
like thinking about it, like I guess looking at the bigger picture, if it can help someone, then I'm I'm fine with doing that. That's awesome. And just going back to the point, um, like having a conversation with Nick from Midday Squares, that was something that he mentioned as well, like how once they started being like there were situations where they would probably be too transparent and they had investors tell them like, you know, don't post that and stuff like that. And he was kind of just like, dude, this is my brand and like yeah. you know, I'm talking to the people, like they should be allowed to see these real life stories, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. so yeah to that point like yeah screw the people who are kind of uh complaining about your tiktoks on linkedin yeah. like it, haters gonna hate yeah. exactly it is what it is totally yeah but um just going back to that point like around your motivation um obviously you know coming out of laurier like a lot of students uh, even us like out of university we wanted to get a job and like a nine to five was what we ran for um and so now we're switching into entrepreneurship but you kind of started off on that route so like what kind of motivated you to get into that into that kind of side first? So I did work in research. I graduated from school. Um, I was working like three jobs at one point. I was working in a bakery. Mm. I did personal training. And then I was working in research um, for a gerontal. I actually worked at McMaster University for just hey. over a year. And uh, yeah, my, my contract was coming to an end there. And I just, I honestly was unfulfilled. I dreaded going into work. I sat at my cubicle day after day listening to motivational podcasts and entrepreneurship podcasts, but I wasn't doing anything about it. Um, right. And it got to the point where I was just, I was making like minimum wage. I had no benefits. My sister who dropped out of school and was working at a grocery store was making more than me. And I guess that kind of just put things in a perspective. And yeah. I was like, F this, I'm not doing this anymore. And I quit and I was living with my parents at the time and I didn't know what to do next. I was like in my early twenties, super lost. So I booked a trip to Thailand and then I started backpacking through Southeast Asia for almost four months. And then like throughout that trip, that's when I guess I was exposed to entrepreneurship. And after meeting entrepreneurs and realizing that that was something that I could do with my life, I got home and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to work for anyone else. I'm going to build something and run with it. And if it works, cool. And if it doesn't, then whatever. I tried something new. Um, and yeah, I've always been passionate about better for you food. So that's kind of how it all came about. Yeah, I know. That's incredible. So like people just like you traveled with were entrepreneurs or like, did you kind of see entrepreneurs out there in Thailand that kind of inspired you? Yeah, so I did like a, like a fitness retreat in Thailand and just like meeting people there like who owned like so many different random companies like marketing, um, like a moving company, like all these different random things from mm -hmm. all different industries and just like having conversations with them and seeing like their faces light up and they're like, yeah, like I launched this company and they have like, I think the, the piece for me was um, I never thought that I could do that because I felt underqualified. And then I started talking to them and I'm like, what'd you go to school for? What'd you do? And they're like, oh, I dropped out of school or, oh, I did this. And I'm like, what? And you have this like successful company where you can just backpack for six months or whatever. Right. So I guess like that kind of motivated me as well. And I'm like, if they can do it, then I can do it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. that. That's incredible. And I think that's kind of what we're starting to notice that a lot. Like a lot of the founders that we speak to nowadays are just like, yeah, we just wanted to, we had an idea and we ran with it and we figured why not. Right. And then it becomes something amazing. And now it's like, you can't even fathom what could have happened if you had done something else. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have like any early like doubts or did you have like any family members trying to push back on you or, or anything like that? Or was it like full support? Uh, my mom was very supportive. My dad was too, but he was, he didn't, he didn't get it. Like mm -hmm. I told him, I remember like, and I guess my mom didn't really get it either. Like, I mean, when your daughter tells you there's there, she's starting a cookie dough company and not going back to work. Like, 
what are you gonna think right so um she like she was supportive she's like i know i trust you like you're you're smart you have a good head on your shoulders like you'll figure it out and then my dad was like what you're starting a cookie company um okay um now he fully believes in it and supports me because he sees what my revenue is and he's like shit like (laughs) (laughs) i was like dad yeah like i'm it's it's working like clearly you know um but uh yeah like and i think too like i i grew up in grimsby like super small town um moved out to ottawa in 2019 to just like be surrounded by different people as well um I guess that was like the one struggle for me is I didn't have like a ton of friends who were entrepreneurs to help me. Mm. Um, And that's where LinkedIn came in. And I surrounded myself with people like virtually, I guess, which has been super helpful. Yeah, for sure. And hey, like, look at it now and look where you are now. And you're not even at your full potential yet. So I think you made the right decision, obviously. And we're happy to have you here to talk about it. Yeah, thank you. So that kind of like rounds out the, the the content portion of what we like to talk about, just understanding your business. How we like to close off all of our conversations is just with the lightning round where we kind of toss some quick questions at you. Um, so just tell us the first thing that comes to mind um, and it just gives us a chance to get to know you a bit more. Sure. Awesome. Okay, so this was actually not on the list, but I'm going to throw it in first because you mentioned that you went to Laurier and you worked at McMaster. Yeah. Right? Which university did you prefer more because I went to McMaster and Amin went to Laurier. So, like, we have this thing going on here. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Obviously, Laurier. Get I mean, out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Laurier was such a good school. Like, such a good school. Such a tight, small community. I, I mean, I worked at McMaster. I didn't even work, like, on campus. I worked in the uh, uh, innovation. The, I forget the innovation what it was lab. Yeah. I, is it MIT? MIT? MD, yeah, MDCL, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't, yeah, it was, it was a blur. It was part of my life that I don't like to remember, you know? But, wow. Okay. All right. You were I don't on- like I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're like your education experience was good though. That was good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say you weren't on the campus and that's why you have this negative feedback. It's yeah. whatever. We'll let it go. Uh, all right. So next question here, favorite book or movie of all time? Oh, that's like a really bad question to ask me. I don't really watch movies and I don't really read. Um, okay. But like my favorite podcast, because I listen to podcasts, we'll uh, the, school of, the School of Greatness and then Real AF by Andy Fursala are my two favorites. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Um, if you can have dinner with one person, dead or alive from any time, who would it be? Um, Dead or alive. I don't know, like someone, honestly, the one person who kind of motivated me to become an entrepreneur was Andy Frisala. Just like listening, he's the one that I listened to for years um, and kind of gave me that that nudge that I needed. So I think it'd be cool to have dinner with him. For sure. Shout out Andy. Uh, can you name a brand that you're inspired by right now or like the most exciting for you? Yeah, Smart Sweets. I don't know if you guys have heard of Yeah, Smart we've Sweets, heard of it. Yeah. Tara Bosch, like she's crushing it. Um, yeah, they, she she inspires me for sure, and they're awesome. They're doing so great. Yeah, seriously, she's absolutely killing it. I love that. Um, and lastly, here the most probably controversial question that we have on the podcast: Do you like pineapples on your pizza? I do. Oh okay. damn! Okay, yeah. so, well, right. I get, I get Sherriston. You got one point out of it, I guess. Erica, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We think uh, Brodo's kind of getting ready to blow up and we're happy to have you on here right before and uh maybe a year or two from now uh, down the road we can kind of regroup and have another episode and see where you are now 
Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Thanks for having me on. Where can we find you? Where can we see you? Where can people check out Brodo? Yeah, so you can follow us on TikTok or Instagram, Brodo Canada. Um, you can purchase if you live in Canada, Brodo.ca, and then you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Eric Rinkin. Awesome. Sweet.